So a mentor of mine would often begin each of his sermons by commenting on why it is that we gather together or assemble as a church on Sundays. And he'd say something like this. He'd say, we gather each week to remind ourselves of what we already know to be true, that God is good all the time. And that sounds like something that like pastors might say, right? A little bit kind of a corny thing, but he never said it in a corny way. He always said it with tremendous conviction. And the more we think about it, that's such an important thing for us to be mindful of because everything that we see um, in our lives day by day speaks against that, speaks against God's goodness. And it's a truth that stands against all that, that we need to remind ourselves of. And it's why in the busyness of our lives, it's so important that we make worshiping God in spirit and in truth a priority. And I, I don't know about how you kind of walk your way through life, but I periodically look back over my life, and I'm constantly grateful for the week by week, Sunday by Sunday, that routine that was established in my life early, and how important it is to cherish those moments gathering as a church. Because as we've learned from Paul, it's our highest calling. It's the absolute summit peak of our lives to be a part of this. And it's also a chance that we get each week to sort of exercise the fundamentals of our faith. Because gathering allows us to refocus. And hopefully everybody knows the main focus we have in this church here. First and foremost, it's that vision to reach the tri-state region and beyond, making fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we do that by taking our next steps day by day towards Christ. We do not want to be a church that just gathers on Sunday, as important as that is, we also want to be a church that's about the business of the kingdom every single day of the week. We're also a church with flaws. And most people smile when I say this because it is so important to hear that it is okay to not be okay at Four Mile Church. There are no perfect people here. If there are, you should just leave. If you think you are, you should just leave because that's not what the church is about, right? Every one of us is in process at some level or another. But of course, none of us want to stay in that not okay place. We're not happy. We don't celebrate that sin in our lives. And that's why we have that third fundamental. We love you enough to tell you the truth in the person, words, and works of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes that truth can be a little hard to take sometimes, but that's why we gather together, and that's why we're here for each other. And of course, as Cammie described, we're in the middle of this letter that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. And in this particular little mini-series, he prays for the church. And it's a prayer for strength and knowledge that the church needed to carry on its commission back in the first century. And it's every bit as relevant for us today as it was some 2,000 years ago. We simply need God's strength to do His will. And as we learned last week, Christ didn't just come to save us from our sin, but He also came to dwell in our hearts, to be in a relationship with us. And it's been God's master plan since before the foundation of the world to unite his adopted children in Christ. And while it's certainly something to celebrate like no other whenever we see people place their faith in Jesus, but it's equally as heartbreaking when people just stop there and they fail to seek his face, meaning they aren't engaged in a personal relationship with him. And this was apparently true back in Paul's day as well, because in this part of his prayer, he speaks very specifically for what we need 
in order for us to grow in our relationship with God and with each other. And that is that we are rooted and grounded in love. So let's dig in. We saw last week, Christ dwelling in our hearts is the very summit peak of our life's experience. Having the Lord God Almighty dwelling in our hearts, being in a relationship with Him is the highest of highs. And of course, we learn the mechanism to which that happens. The way we experience it is through faith, which is comprised, as we've learned, of elements of both belief and behavior. For example, when you cross a bridge, you must first believe that the bridge will hold. And then you behave in step with that belief by taking those steps to cross the bridge. And that's really important for us to think about because Paul is actually praying specifically for those next steps that are going to help us grow in our faith. Because the deeper we grow in our faith, the deeper we grow in our relationship with God. And we can see this linkage by virtue of that literary device of a long dash that's used to initiate the second petition. Now, dashes are a transition of sorts. They link ideas, but they also communicate a distinct shift to something related. It signals that Paul is moving on to the second petition while maintaining the necessary connection to the first. Because Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith is what sets the condition for the second petition. The first half, of which we're going to be studying today, being rooted and grounded in love. But before we get too deep into that, let's remind ourselves of the purpose of Paul's prayer. It is to strengthen the church, more specifically the saints, those who are faithful in Christ Jesus. And when we refer to the collection or gathering of saints, we're referring to Christ's body, to the church, not the building, but his people. In Paul's first petition, recall he asked that the Holy Spirit might strengthen the saints in their inner being so that they might receive Christ. Notice he didn't pray that they would be good people. He didn't pray that they'd be healthy or happy because that's not what the church initially needed. Rather, Paul prayed that the saints might be in a relationship with Jesus so they might actually know him and not so they can know about Jesus. Far too many Christians stop there, but so that they might know him in the most personal and in the most intimate way. That's what the church needs first. Above all else, it all starts with us knowing God. And that's such an important distinction to make because we can know all about someone without ever really knowing them. I've used this example in the past. We may know all about someone famous like Ben Roethlisberger, and I almost hate to bring his name up because we really miss him these days, don't we? <laughs> but knowing his stats and his history isn't the kind of relationship that Paul has in mind here at all. We may even meet Ben occasionally at like player fan events to the point where he may even recognize us, but that's not what Paul is praying for either. Paul is praying for a very intimate relationship, the kind where Ben not only takes time to maybe text you, but he stops what he's doing in the middle of his week to check in on you whenever he knows that you might need some encouragement. The kind of relationship where you're always on his mind and he's always on your mind. The kind of relationship 
where he dwells in your heart, like we talked about last week. And of course, Paul has used exactly this kind of language throughout his letter to the church in Ephesus. He has characterized our relationship with Christ as a duality of sorts, where our identity is in him or in Christ, and he is also in us because he actually dwells in our hearts. It's the kind of relationship where he loves us and we love him. So Paul prays that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now this is a profound statement on so many levels, but at the very least, it conveys how love is the foundational component of the Christian life, both individually, how we love others, and as a church, how we love the community in which we're placed. And Paul uses two pictures to communicate this, rooted and grounded. Both words bring to mind a foundation of sorts. And that's because a foundation is what must be established first before any kind of structure can materialize around it. It's why we need a relationship established with Jesus before the church can begin to do all that it's been called to do. So the first picture, rooted, makes us think of a tree. And the second picture, grounded, makes us think of a building. And we know we deliberately chose these two examples because he uses them together in other letters, particularly that letter he writes to the church in Corinth. And that's probably because Jesus also used these to illustrate key points of our faith. You recall his teaching on the vine and the branches and how it's related to a tree and how we're to build our lives on a firm foundation. And whenever we find multiple illustrations together like this, it's helpful to note both their similarities and their differences. So let's start with the similarities. How the original words for rooted and grounded were used back in the day. First, both of them speak to a degree of permanence. Once they are established, the tree and the building, they're stationary. They essentially become permanent fixtures. Love is a permanent fixture of the Christian church. The saints who are faithful, they love God and they love each other. Love cannot come and go. It must be a permanent fixture in our lives. Second, both words refer to a measure of stability. The roots keep the tree upright and the foundation keeps the building from falling whenever the winds blow. So love provides stability to the Christian church. It keeps us upright whenever the world tries to knock us down. When divisions arise, especially within the church, love is what provides the stability needed to remain intact. Third, both words were used to describe something that is durable. Day by day, season by season, year by year, foundations allow these structures to endure. In other words, love is what keeps the church from deteriorating with the passing of time. And some of you have experienced it, especially those of you who have been at Four Mile for 20, 30, 40, even 50 or more years. Love is what has sustained this church. It provides durability against the elements that are always at work to wear it down, such as self-righteousness, Pride, lust, divisiveness, judgmental attitudes, gossip. 
Love even provides durability against the eroding effects of familiarity and tradition and routine that creep their way into our faith. And fourth, these two words, rooted and grounded, they imply depth. The depth of a tree's roots and a building's foundation are typically proportional to the size of the structure. The church is not a small tree or a tiny building. It is the grand body of Christ in all its magnificence. Perhaps think of it as a sequoia or a skyscraper of sorts, but that really doesn't even scratch the beginning of it all. So the depth of the foundation must be significant. Similarly, the church's love must be rooted deep to support the immense mission of the body of Christ. So the love that Paul is praying for must have permanence, stability, durability, and depth. These are the common principles of love demonstrated by these two pictures that the church requires. So let's ask ourselves, do we as individuals love like this? As saints, do we look like this picture? Does our love as a church operate this way? Because that's what we need before we can carry on our commission to go and make disciples. If you wonder sometimes why it is that there doesn't seem to be fruit in your life, why it is that maybe you've never made a disciple or God hasn't used you in that way, take a really hard look at this teaching. Are you rooted and grounded in love? Now let's briefly take a look at why Paul may have included both of these illustrations, because each has something unique to contribute to this picture that he's painting for us. For example, a tree represents life, growth, and production. It is a living organism that grows, produces, and is sustained by its roots. So the metaphor extends naturally to the saints because the church is also a living body. It grows season by season, and it also produces fruit when it is sustained by and rooted in love. Is that us? Are we rooted in love? Are we alive? Are we growing and producing fruit in our everyday, ordinary lives and as a church? Likewise, a building is erected for a specific purpose with structural integrity, and it has its own unique character. And once again, the metaphor Paul uses of a building also extends naturally to the saints, to Christ's church, because the purpose of the church, its integrity, and its character only accurately reflect God's design for it when it is grounded in love. So again, I ask, is that us? Are we grounded in love? Are we living out our purpose with integrity and with character? And to put the finishing touches on this picture Paul paints for us with these illustrations, love is the soil that makes it all possible. It is the substance that enables a tree or a building to stand. If you were to dig away the soil from even the grandest of trees, the roots will die, the trunk will fall, the leaves and the branches will wither, and the tree will die. Likewise, if you dig the soil away from the foundation of any building, the foundation will crack, 
support beams will collapse, walls will crumble, and the building will fail. Trees must be rooted, and buildings must be grounded in soil. It is vital to their existence. And so, too, the church must be rooted and grounded in love. It's absolutely vital to our existence, too. Love gives the church permanence, stability, durability, depth, life, growth, production, purpose, integrity, and character. We simply must be rooted and grounded in love. And all that we do as saints, those who are faithful in Christ Jesus, and as the church, Christ's body, which has been commissioned by Jesus to go and make disciples. We cannot carry out our mission unless we are rooted and grounded in love. And to bring this full circle back to that literary device, that dash, connecting the first petition with the second, Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith is what roots and grounds us in love. And how do we know this? Well, because Jesus is God as we know, and as the Apostle John tells us, God is the very definition of love. So that is why Christ dwelling in our hearts sets the condition for us to be rooted and grounded in love. Because being rooted and grounded in love essentially means we're rooted and grounded in God. He is the source of our strength, the substance of our work, and the object of all of our endeavors. Let's pray. For this reason, for the sake of your church, we bow our knees before you, Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of your glory, you may grant the members of Four Mile Church to be strengthened with power through your spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that all of us members of Four Mile Church being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of you, God. Now to you who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever.